from Kurtco Media. Coming up on this episode of Life Done Better. So we chunk down and we keep chunking down by asking ourselves that question, what would I have to do first? What would I have to do first? What would I have to do first? Until we get to a step that is so simple and easy, we get that agreement from our brain. Welcome to Life Done Better. I'm your host, Jill DeYoung. How different is your life now if you compare it to exactly one year ago? When we review our year, we see how much happens in 365 days. Not one day is the same. So much has been done, felt, and experienced. Some memories may be sad and painful, other memories joyful and magical. It's very likely that you could not have predicted the change that occurred. Moving to another state, finding a new job, falling in or out of love. Change is inevitable and the only constant in life. Yet when change happens, we're often surprised and find it a bit scary and difficult to adapt to. The good news is that you can be in charge of the things you want to change. Everyone has something in their lives that they'd like to improve, whether that's managing stress more effectively, being more organized, eating healthier, feeling more purposeful, and the list goes on. The challenge is to find the time to address these issues, and then, having done that, knowing the right tools and techniques to use to integrate the solutions into your life and create the change you desire. That's why I invited coach, author, and well-being consultant, Linda Bonar. We will talk about her new book, Just Three Things. Linda will tell you how you can create huge transformations in your life by making small changes to your everyday routines. Hi, Linda. Welcome to Live Done Better. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm, I'm just delighted to be here and have this conversation with you. Thank you. Your book just came out. Just three things. Of course, I'm curious what life events inspired you to write this book because something has happened to you and you came and conquered and the challenge and you made you were like, wow, I got to share this with the world. Oh, thank you. So much has happened. I, I don't even know where to start at this point. I think I was really inspired to write the book because I was so overwhelmed with the changes I wanted to make, Jill. I really was. I didn't know where to start. There were so many things that I wanted to do. I wasn't in a very good place in my life. And so I wanted to sort that out. I wanted to sort my eating out, my fitness, my sport, my relationships, my mental health. And it's, gosh, where do you start with all of this? And so I had to make things so easy and so manageable for myself to be able to start and create those goals, create those smaller goals that I wanted. And when I started doing that and I started seeing the progress that I was making and what I was achieving, it's like... I need to write this. I've written it down already for myself. I need to share it. I really want to make change easy and more manageable for people. Yeah, because we all are going through change. We want change. And at the same time, we don't really want it, but (laughs) right? (laughs) Like, no. (laughs) Well, and and a new year invites change too, right? We we look back at a previous year, what went well, what wasn't great, how can we improve our lives? And we really do want to naturally make progress. Like it makes us feel good to to move into a direction that we envision for ourselves. And now the challenge for most of us is finding time. And how do we find time, Linda? Tell us, like, what are some of your secret tips? Or not so secret anymore, because it's out in the book now. 
But how, how do you go about finding the time? Time management comes down to self-management. So if we park time for a second, the first question is always, is this something that I want? You know, I, I love that quote in one way. If we want to do something, we will. If we won't, we'll find excuses. Everybody has spent the same 24 hours in the day. Sometimes it's not as easy as that. But again, if we break it down into something a lot smaller, is this a change that I really want to create? What happens when I make this change? So how will I measure my success with it? What's the purpose behind creating that change? And if that change is connected to our highest criteria, those values and beliefs that are so important to us, we'll find it easier to create that change. It's when we don't really want to, or when we think the change is going to be hard, difficult, challenging, or we're afraid of change, that immediately we start to stand in our own way. So we need to get out of our way. Once we've sorted that out, then we can start to carve out the time. And people often think change takes so much time. But again, we break it down into those smaller bite-sized pieces and we give ourselves a longer stretch of time. But we make steps consistently every day, every week, every month. Just like you said, Jill, we can see that progress and we love to see that progress. And then that gives us a motivation to stay going. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I'm constantly looking into my life, how I can create more space and more time for the things that I want to do, right? If you're a lot on social media and you know it's an issue, how can you stop going from your thumb, like into that direction of that damn app, right? <laughs> <laughs> Instagram is very addictive. And I got to say, like, I see myself doing it too. When I'm sitting in the car, I'm waiting for a minute. I'm like, oh, let's check my Instagram. Why? Like, why am I not just looking out the window instead? And so catching yourself in moments of, you know, these type of behaviors, I think are, is really important because I think we do waste time in our day and we can be carving out time in those moments where it's kind of like a replacement therapy, replacing one behavior with another. Yeah. I love what you've said here, Jill, because it really all comes down to that awareness and catching ourselves. Nothing changes without awareness. It's always the first step. Being aware of how we spend our time. Are we enjoying what we're doing? Is it you know, time that we think is wasted? And checking in with those, what's the best use of my time right now? How can I be using this time productively? And productively doesn't always mean being busy or doing something. Sometimes, again, the greatest time that we can spend is in silence, Just being there, allowing whatever thoughts come up, not putting pressure on ourselves to always be doing something at all. So when we go to pick up our phone, what is it that triggers us? Is it because we're sitting here, we're waiting for someone to join a call? So it's like, oh, I'll do something because I'll start scrolling. It's like, well, hang on. Mm -hmm. Do I really want to scroll? What's the purpose of doing that? Maybe I can actually look out the window and think, oh, that tree has lost more leaves. You know, winter is definitely on its way. Just being a bit more present. We don't always have to be doing something. Yeah, I can totally relate to that because mm. when I have a minute of time to wait for my bread to be toasted in the oven, <laughs> I am going to go do the laundry and clean the countertop and respond to a text message. And then I hit the button again. Okay, extra toasted. Another minute. Let's go. I'm not just standing there to, you know, wait for the bread to be nice and crispy. I'm, I am definitely a doer and I, I'm catching myself a lot. But also, when I think about making making space. I, I do think about like my kitchen is like a place where I spend a whole lot of time. 
I make most of my meals every day and my husband loves it. So, you know, all that gratitude you want to keep giving, right? So the kitchen is a space that I want to keep clean, not cluttered. I'm also thinking about a closet, right? Not having clutter. So I also think about my car keys, if they're in the right place, because if I have to leave, I, I want things to be organized. Like everything should have a little a space. This is where this goes. This is where that goes. And so you have an, a system and or like how you organize your life and take out these the stress that comes with not finding things, losing things, clutter, things not being clean. Or if you are wanting to cook more and your kitchen counter is kind of small and there's you know stuff on there all the time and paperwork. You got to clean it up before you get inspired even to, you know, start cutting up vegetables and turning on your music and get creative, right? Exactly. Our space matters so much. What's in that space? What's the purpose of having it in that space? Do you use it? Does it bring you some kind of, you know, if you've got photos around, it's the exact same. What is the same with our headspace? What do we allow to sit on our headspace? And what do we allow them to be in our physical space as well? Is it conducive to helping us get things done? If that's the space we want to be in, when we step into that space of productivity, when we step out of it, when you know, we just want some mental clarity or some headspace, what is it that's around us that can help us create more of what we want? Instead of that clutter. Clutter isn't just the stuff that's on the countertop either, Jill. You know, it's the, those little things that, again, I come back to the headspace. What is filling your mind? Yeah. Is it clutter? When have you decluttered? When have you cleaned <laughs> your, your mental countertop as such and sorted things out? Yeah. And so what, what do you do to clean up your mind? Like what, and to get the cobwebs out, like what are some of your things that you do daily? So I hate things weighing on me. Whenever there's something, you know, and that's an indication that I need to do something with it. That could be a difficult conversation I've had with a friend a mistake that I've made, something that just hasn't gone as well as I wanted to. But I often allow it to sit in my headspace. And Jill, I don't know about you, but what happens mine is the problem grows arms and legs and absolutely mushrooms. So before I know it, that small <laughs> little thing I was thinking of is now consuming my entire head. It, it's kind of like poison in my veins. It's me too. I like to really clean things up like that too. If there's a conversation to be had, let's do it because I want this out of my energy system. I need it out. Definitely. So we do something about it. And for me, that might be journaling and just getting it out of my head and onto paper where I can do something better with it. It might be discussing that difficult, that having that hard conversation with a friend or with my partner. Get it out of your head where you can do something better with it. You get a different perspective on it. You can take action around it. You find solutions. I love it. Yeah. So, you know, when we talk about space, we got to let go of things, carve out time, replace old habits with new habits. And, and then we're not just talking about the clutter in our mind. We're also talking about our home and our workspace. So mm. yeah, everyone that's listening, do an inventory. You can even hit pause right now and just do an inventory. Just write a couple of things down that are occupying your headspace way too much. A room in your home that may be the first thing you're going to tackle. You know, also, and one thing I've done actually for, for my closet is 
I've taken out everything I don't use very often and I, I put it aside or I fold it. And if I don't take it from the stack, it will go away. I'm like, I'll donate it. But the other thing I've done of things that I haven't used, but I think I, you know, I still like, and I don't understand why I'm actually not wearing it. I put it on display. I put it on the hanger and it, I pretend it's in a store. Like, Ooh, so it's, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's beautifully displayed. Pick me, pick me. I want to be worn. And so if it goes unworn for another couple of months, I know it really isn't, you know, what I should be keeping. Because when we have a lot of stuff around us that we don't use, it's not that we feel abundant, actually. No. It's almost like we, because of the clutter, we can't see how much we have and own. And the things we love are kind of in disguise, too. Completely. We moved from the Middle East to New York nearly three years ago now, and it was so interesting. There's nothing like an international move or just moving house to help you identify what it is that you actually want to keep and questioning why, like, what is the purpose of me holding on to this? Am I trying to hold on to a memory? Am I trying to hold on to a relationship? Am I trying to, to recreate some kind of joy? Do I need this as a reminder of that horrible experience that I went through? What is it? Yeah, exactly. And another thing to remember is stop looking for happiness in the same place you've lost it. Ah, yes. You know, sometimes we try to get something back that is just gone. And we have to focus on new beginnings and put our energy into putting these building blocks in place. So let's talk about these building blocks because obviously we're here to talk about chains and how to implement them. And what are some of the common challenges that most of us struggle with to overcome? I think a lot of it comes down to the fear of change, Jill, regardless of that particular context or the situation. It's the fear of the unknown. How will I do it? What lies on the other side of change? How will I get through it? You know, so there's all of these questions that we often don't have the answer to, that we often feel we don't have control over. And we do not like being out of control. We do not like a lack of control. So it's then about where can I regain this control? What do I have control over? And breaking it down into those, you know, those smaller pieces again, instead of looking at this, this huge thing. And I think a lot of us really do face the same kind of challenges as well when it comes to change. That fear, that unknown, what will other people think? This is a huge one. What do other people think if I pursue this, if I change this, will I still be loved? Will I still be accepted? And not just fear of failure, it's also fear of success, right? What if I really truly show my, my superpowers? What if I truly step into my power and do exactly everything I've ever dreamed of? Will I still be with, my, with the same partner? Will my friends support me in it? What will my family think? I mean, you don't know. And there's a lot of unknowns, right? And it doesn't always have to be very fearful, but just the unknown is something that we can embrace. The best we can do is to navigate through all these challenges, yeah. to give it shape and form and put the energy right where we want things to grow and evolve. Hmm. And that's, that's truly where your magic and power is. Your energy, where you go day to day, who you talk to, who you spend time with. I mean, I, I even see it myself. Like I hang out a lot with my husband because we both work from home and, uh, you know, we get to see each other so much and I hang out with my girlfriends and I crack a joke that's just like him. I'm like, that's <laughs> funny. I'm becoming a lot like him. 
And so, yeah, I catch myself on that too. And, uh, and you know, it's, it's everyone's laughing. We're having a good time. It's not a bad behavior. It's actually, you know, a, a good thing. But I do realize that we take over habits of the people that we spent most time with. Exactly. Who can we have around us? Again, what's the change that we want? How conducive is that to the life that we want? And who are those people that we can start to envelop ourselves with? Yeah. That will really positively influence the behavior, the habits, the actions, the self-talk, the thoughts that we want to have. That's right. It's the very beginning, like to seek out an example of what you want in your life, right? But then there is the imposter syndrome. And, and so like, I, I keep hearing a lot about it and I would love for you to explain it to everyone. And even to me, like who does it affect and how can it be o- overcome? Thank you, Jill. You know, when I started looking into this first years ago, I was talking about what is it that I really want to do as a coach? Who is it that I really want to work with and what problem do I really want to solve? And every time this kept coming up for me, So the imposter syndrome is really that feeling of we don't belong, we're frauds. Somehow we've been lucky along the way that we haven't got to where we are today because of our own merits and our own success and skills and characteristics. That feeling that we're going to be found out, you know, looking over our shoulders because someday very soon, somebody's going to knock on that door and tell me that I do not belong here. I don't belong in this conversation with you. Who am I to be writing a book? An expert, really, says who? And when the phrase was first coined back in the late 70s, it was deemed to be only high executive, female executives who fought this challenge because they were the ones then who were literally fighting to get a seat at the the men's table with all of those male executives. So that feeling then of when they did get a seat at the table, it's short-lived. Someone's going to find out. I don't belong here. And don't you think the imposter syndrome is something that most people feel when they start implementing new habits because they don't feel like it's their own yet. They don't feel like this is me, right? So I'm, oh God, I'm not that yet. I I remember that I never wanted to call myself an athlete because I didn't get paid for exercising. You know, I thought as a model, I was like, yeah, you know, I get paid to take great pictures and to help people advertise their products. I always was very active and I was a triathlete, but when people asked me in the supermarkets, they could see I had, you know, a build and muscular body. Are you an athlete? And I would always say no. And Mm. I'm like, what's wrong with me? I, you know, because I looked it up in a dictionary and the dictionary said that any person that is active and, you know, it had a very easy way to say everyone who moves their body is an athlete. And I'm like, oh, so I am an athlete, but I had made this connection to, well, I'm not a paid athlete. I'm not a professional. So no, I'm not. Now I do call myself an athlete you know, as a personal trainer and I'm, you know, I'm all about health and wellness and I'm a triathlon coach as well. So, but it is really interesting. So I think that I, is my personal experience with imposter syndrome. And it's that I love, again, the labels, what you brought up there about the labels that we'll use. So if I've done this, it's almost like if I can tick these couple of boxes, then I can call myself an athlete. Then I can call myself an expert, but only if I've, if I've, you know, reached or fulfilled these, this particular criteria or these expectations. So that's another part then. It's like another leg or arm to this imposter syndrome. 
the expectations that we put on ourselves. Yeah. Oh, well, you know, who am I to be doing that? I need to be doing this. I should be able to do that. I have to do this before I can call myself that. Says who? Yeah. And you don't have to put a label on it at all. It's like, hey, you know what? I'm enjoying what I'm now trying to do, right? Like I am enjoying this new habit of mine. Like I'm learning a lot right now. I'm in the process of, of listening to a lot of books and podcasts and I'm really eager to learn. I'm in this like phase where I'm learning, growing, expanding, and it's a really fun time. Now I'm, I don't need to label it. I'm just like, hey, I got, I'm, I'm making more time to invest in myself and not make Making it a label or what I have to do with this knowledge or write another book. Also, taking off that pressure really helps. Like, hey, let's just see how this feels and to gather this information and what inspires me and what are the subjects that I want to learn more about. So, so when you do step into this new you with all these new habits and creating time for the new things that you know interest you. You don't even have to label it at all. No. You don't have to have a real, oh, this is the goal with, like the goal is to do it. Yeah. First of all, this is the, goal, the goal is to do it. Now, I do personally call myself a goal digger because I, I do work well with goals because if I don't have a, a goal, I feel a little bit restless. So I am learning to, you know, it's both ways, right? You want to set a goal and go after it. At the same time, not everything has to be a goal. You can just read a book and just relax, enjoy the book. You don't even have to learn from it. Could it be a thriller, a romance, something that you just enjoy for no other reason than enjoyment? This is gorgeous. It comes down to, oh, you know, again, we, so we always have to be doing something. There has to be a goal. There has to be some kind of a label on it. Says who? <laughs> who? Who has said that? You know, that's a story that, that we've started telling ourselves somewhere along the way. Yeah. Keep the labels for jars. <laughs> oh, that's a good one. Keep the labels for jars. <laughs> exactly. So stop labeling yourself. Stop labeling others or, or what it is that, that you're just enjoying. Yeah, that's right. And that's where it starts with the curiosity of doing something that you may want to constantly do. You're like, I really would love to do this big thing, but let's just see what it feels like. If it's actually something that I enjoy, because when you do enjoy the things that you do, you'll do them more and more and more. Of course. Hang on, we're gonna take a quick break, but I'll be right back with Linda Bonar. Twenty twenty two is going to be your best travel year ever. I'm Bruce Wallen from Travel That Matters, the podcast about the world's most exceptional and meaningful travel experiences. That African safari you've been dreaming about, that diving charter in Indonesia, the time for those epic adventures is now. The 2022 season of Travel That Matters takes you there and beyond. So join our adventure every other Tuesday from Kurtco Media. And we're back. I'm talking to author and well-being consultant Linda Bonar. You're all about creating big transformations by implementing small little steps. So let's talk about some of these steps. This is where it all starts, Jill, right? Those little steps. So it's all about chunking down. If I have this goal, this thing that I want in my life, how do I get there? How can I reduce that, that overwhelm and 
and make this really clear and compelling for myself. And we can do that so easily by asking ourselves a simple question of what would I have to do first? Whether that's finance, fitness, food, whatever, if I want this particular thing in my life, what's just one thing I'd have to do first? Now check in with that because your brain will probably say, right, so if I want to, if I want to do a triathlon, which I've, you know, nobody wants to see me trying to swim, Jill, nobody does. But what would I have to do first? I'd probably have to get a coach or I'd have to learn how to swim. Now straight away from me personally, my brain will go, no, that's too hard. Nope, we're not doing that. Okay. So we chunk down and we keep chunking down by asking ourselves that question. What would I have to do first? What would I have to do first? What would I have to do first? Until we get to a step that is so simple and easy, we get that agreement from our brain. Ah, so it's taking out the resistance because if there's any resistance to that first step, you need to keep simplifying it. That's a good one. You got to keep it simple. Our brain, it just, it doesn't want anything that's hard. It wants something that is so easy and simple. And what you'll find then is if you've done this with a larger goal that you have and you've kept chunking down, what would I have to do first? What would I have to do first? And when you write these things down as well, when you look back over, over the answers to those questions, you've actually got quite a nice plan for yourself in terms of moving forward because you've been chunking down the whole time. And now you can start to look and say, well, what would I have to do next? What would be a next step that I could do? And fill in those little blanks for yourself along the way. Keep it simple and make it easy for yourself. Yeah, that's to keep it simple is to really ask yourself that question when you have that resistance. Oh, I want to exercise more and uh, I want to do it seven times a week. Uh Uh-uh, no, do it today. (laughs) Do it today and then see if you have more time tomorrow, right? We don't have to put a number on things. If you want to cook more, it doesn't mean that you have to cook every meal every night. You can do it three times a week, two times a week and call it a win. It's just another ingredient in that overwhelm recipe, in that stress recipe, isn't it? So not only do we think, right, I need to be doing all of these things, but I need to be doing them every day. Who says what? Because you've read one book or you read a magazine article or you heard someone say, I meditate for three hours every day. Good for them. We have no idea what their life is really, really like, unless you know them personally. If that's what works for them, fantastic. Is that going to work for you? Is it feasible? Is it realistic? If it's not, do something that does work for you. Be flexible with process of getting what you want. Yeah. And be kind to yourself too, right? Like that we already have enough pressure. The demands of life are enormous, right? We're always reachable. We take care of so many. We want to do so much, experience so much. At the same time, we don't have endless energy. And there's, yeah, the 24 hours in a day minus our sleep, minus all the other things that we feel like we, you know, are our responsibilities and we have to do. There's not that a whole lot of time extra in the day that you can fulfill your own needs. But when you do find that time, you have to really be gentle with yourself and not put more pressure on those hours. Create a space for yourself where you don't put more pressure on and you change that dialogue. And I, wow, I have time to do this and I am really excited about it. Or, hey, I'm not sure if I'm excited about this. Maybe a little bit scary or I really don't feel like doing it. But it's, I think it, when, it, when the task is done, I'll be really happy about it. This is so important on an 
a number of different pieces here of what you said, Jill, in terms of that language, because we often hear people trying to move themselves with the word should. I should, I have to, I need, I must. And if we try those words on for size, how motivating are they actually? Because I know I'll say to my coaching clients, oh, you're telling yourself you should do this. How do you feel about it? I don't want to do that. No, you feel pressured. Of course you do. It's being aware of that language that we're using as well. Yeah, it really does. It's quite magical how we can change our thoughts and therefore our feelings instantly. Mm. Now, there may be some of you listening and, and you feel like, man, I've been procrastinating this one thing and it's really just not happening. Can Linda tell us how to put an end to procrastination? Maybe later. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good one. It's such a good topic. It's it's fascinating. It really is. What is it that's behind the procrastination? So I think that's always, again, it's a step number one, right? Instead of beating yourself with that stick to get things done, how about pressing pause for a second and asking yourself, what is behind the procrastination? What is it that stops me from leaning into this task or the project that I want to get done? And being really honest about what comes up as well, Jill, because sometimes there's something deeper that's there, such as fear. If I reply to this email, if I ask for that and they say no, then what does that mean? I'm afraid of the no. I'm afraid to ask. I'm afraid to hand this project in the way it is because I don't think it's perfect. Hmm. So sometimes behind the procrastination are those fears, the perfection paralysis, because that it, it all makes sense. And sometimes we just don't want to do it because it's not fun. It's not fun. It's not something that we like. And again, it's not necessarily about, I don't want to say it's about labeling it, name it. So then with every, like with everything else, you can tame it. You can do something with it. If it's fear, then we can overcome that. If it's a perfection thing that's, that's growing there, we can do something about that. It's something that's not just fun, but you still need to get it done. How do we do that? And you said something fantastic earlier as well about focusing on the end result. I'll feel better when I have it done. Whereas a lot of it, when it comes to doing things we don't really want to do, we think about the process. Oh, that's going to be painful. Oh, doing that swim, doing that run, making all of those meals is hard work. So stop doing that and start thinking about how good you'll feel when you've accomplished the task. Just a couple of little changes to make. See how they work for you. Again, this is about being flexible. It's not a one size fits all, but you try it out. If it doesn't work, it means that we need to do something different. Perhaps we need more information, a different tool, a different process. Absolutely. Keep being flexible. Yeah, again, being flexible and thinking about your feeling, like how do do you feel when this task is done can really help end that procrastination. God, like that weight will lift from my shoulders. It's weighing on me. I will have so much more headspace. I'll have more energy. I'll have more room for the things that I actually love to do. Yeah. And I, I, I love lists and I don't have an app for it. I use paper. I use pen because I love to cross things off. Boom. And what I do is I have highlighters. And naturally, you start the day with the things that are quick. Email, reply, boom. 
boom, boom. All these things are going off the list. They're flying off the list. And there are always a few things that stay there for a very long period of time. And at the end of the day, they may not even have been done. They may even move over to the next day. So yep. that's the procrastination at times that I, when I catch myself on it and they do move over to the next day, I make sure to do them first the following day. All right, you had resistance and it was maybe not as pressing the time, you know, you had some time to think about it and to procrastinate. Tomorrow is the first thing you're going to do. And when you do it, it feels like you're winning from the very beginning of the day. So if you can start doing that every day, doing the hard things first, you definitely going to feel more up for all the other tasks. So good. I would love to understand what you are still challenging yourself with these days because you've overcome so many challenges and are you working on something yourself in this moment or and you know during this time where what do you feel what are you working on at this moment This is such a powerful question for me because what I'm working on is not working I don't know about me <laughs> <laughs> So we're we're heading off. We're, we traveled for Christmas, which I'm really excited about. Now, Jill, I made the huge mistake of saying to my husband recently, uh, what days are suitable for me to get some work done? And he just, oh my gosh, Jill, he was not impressed with me at all. And I said, oh, I felt so guilty because the last time we traveled, I had to come back early to meet my editor's deadlines. So I haven't had a vacation with him in quite some time. He said, you have got to stop working. Because you wanted to actually work on your vacation. You said, what days would be good for me to, to, not, to not be with you or to, you know, for us to have a relaxing time and for me to work on our vacation? That was the actual question. <laughs> that was it. That was exactly what I was asking. When can I work on our vacation? He's like, I can't believe you're even asking me that. But under, and so I laugh at that, right? Now I know underneath that is fear. It's fear of, I work for myself. If I don't work, then what am I doing? You know, so here's, here's the work that I'm doing with one of my coaches as well at the moment is unraveling that and trusting myself more, having more faith in myself. I don't have to work 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Yeah, you, get, you still get lots done, enough done, and you are enough, do enough. Yeah. And that's something you have to like trust the process. I am also a recovering workaholic, and that's why I love my playtime. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I really can just lose myself in work and responsibilities and thinking, you know, checking off all the boxes. I am a type A personality. It comes with, you know, with the territory. The, <laughs> yeah, with the territory, exactly. And so I totally get what you're saying. And I understand your husband's frustration too, because because you, you got the book is out. And I know as an author too, when the book is out, it only just starts then because now you have to promote it and people want to talk to you. I also know that oftentimes you feel really inspired when you're relaxing. And so if there is something that you need to do, then don't call it work and just call it, hey, I'm just writing down my thoughts. I just really want to share this with myself and maybe later with everyone who wants to listen. I think you can start writing it down. Just write it down. Maybe don't even bring your computer, but write it down, pen and paper. It doesn't look like work. You know, you're, you can fool your husband. No, I'm kidding. But you know what I'm saying. <laughs> and, and I love that. And it's so funny because I often don't call what I do work. I call it work when I talk, with, when I talk to Steve about it, because that's also his label, how he understands how I spend my time. When I'm having these conversations with amazing people like you, when I'm with my coaching clients, I don't like, oh, I have to go to work now. I'm like, I get to meet awesome people. 
I get to create, I get to solve, I get to have an impact. That's even more important, you know, than, than work. That's right. And, and you know, the uh, inspiration is there when you give yourself time to sit and play. It's quite funny how we put all this pressure on ourselves and labels and expectations and we uh, can take it off. We can give ourselves permissions to take off the label, to take the pressure off, to not have all these wild expectations, but just go day by day and show up the best you can that day. And so Linda, we're going to wrap up this beautiful interview conversation that we, I so enjoyed. I love your energy and yeah, we, we can make it more simple. So your book, Just Three Things is out now available on Amazon. And how can the listeners stay in touch with you? Oh, Jill, I'm all across social media, bits and pieces. I'm on Instagram at Linda Bonner Life Coaching. Connect with me on LinkedIn. I'm on Facebook and Twitter. Visit my website, lindabonner.com. Yeah, I'm, I'm there and I would just love to hear from you. And just because I've written this book and because I talk about these particular topics, do not for one second think that I have all this sorted at all. I am very much a work in progress with every topic that I've written about. So the imposter shows up, the procrastination shows up, the fear shows up, but I manage it better now because I have more tools in my toolkit to do so. Yeah. And you will as well. That's right. We're all human beings. We all deal with a lot of the same things. So you're not alone in this. You're going to start making better decisions for yourself. You're going to make some bad decisions for yourself. You're going to make better decisions again. And that's life. Life is a journey and you're on it. Thanks so much to Linda Bonar for joining me on the show today. We all have a chance to make a change this new year, to be more present, thoughtful, and a clearer version of ourselves. I want you all to sit and think for just a few short minutes after you finish this episode. Really give yourself the opportunity to sit and think about three new simple things you wanna do this next year. I promise whatever you pick, you can do it's never too late to become the person you want to be and it's so much easier when you bite it off in small pieces i believe in you all and i'll be joining you right alongside this journey have a wonderful day my friends and i'll see you soon